I'm doing a, a series of uh, profiles of family businesses. Our our coaching company mm-hmm. that we have, Cooter Consulting Group, is is focused. Our our specialty is family businesses because of our backgrounds in family business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you know we're family, small family businesses that are growing, and and you know we want to honor, highlight family businesses, and and also explore. I mean, there are some challenges that, that are common in family businesses. I, I don't want to put anybody in the in the place of feeling like they got to air their dirty laundry in public. So the purpose is really to just be a nice profile of the company. But I w- do want to touch on the aspects of family. So one of the questions I have, how the family bonds help the business? You know, things like that. So history of the business, how you got into it, what, what your inspiration was. I think people would like that because I think, you know, us, us Small family business owners feel like we don't get we don't get the the props that we ought to, you know. Or so. So, what do you think about that? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent. Gotcha. Got your Yeti mic and your pop screen there. I love it. Oh yeah. My little podcast room here. So, what inspired you guys to uh, start this business? Well, Luke and I grew up fishing our whole lives. And when we got a little bit older, meaning like out of college and real world hit us, you know, you realize how precious your time is. And for us fishermen, people who love to go out and catch fish, it became a whole lot tougher than it was in our, you know, teenage years in our twenties to spend all day out there just trying to figure it out. And we realized pretty quickly that we needed some help. And there, there was a problem though, and and any small business, anyone listening to this, you know, don't start a business unless there's a problem, right? You, you know, you need to solve a problem before you can create a customer. And what we kept going back to is there was no one teaching how to go out there and consistently find the fish. You know, you, you had fishing magazines and you had fishing TV shows and even YouTube had just got started. You know, YouTube has blown up really in the last five, six years, but those were kind of the three things, but they're all sponsor driven and advertisement driven. And and, and very biased towards one thing, but, but more importantly, they left out like the most important piece, which was the trends, right? Like actually teaching people because last time I checked fish have tails and no fences. They're not just sitting in one spot all year long. They're moving back and forth with the tides. They're moving through seasons. They go out and, and spawn and no one was teaching everything from beginning to end. And so Luke and I had always dreamed about having a fishing company and it kind of hit us like, why don't we just create everything that we wish was around when we were struggling to catch fish and, and it boiled down to that one word, the trends about, you know, h- helping people find fish fast based on trends and filling in all the gaps that are, that are missing out there from fishing magazines, TV shows, et cetera. And, and it took off, you know, we had a hundred people join our club. It's, it's a, it's a subscription. It's a membership to get all of our content and cheat sheets and courses and all this great stuff to find the fish. And 100 people joined, then 500, 1,000. I remember we hit 2,000. We were like high fiving. And then we hit 5,000. And then we hit 10,000. And we were like, man, pinching ourselves, still are to this day. And now it's at 25,000. I think it's 26,000 to be precise. You know, members are, are now paying to be part of this club. And it, it, it's just been really, really cool. And it's turned into our own little family. So we're, we're, we're pleased as punch and, and, and just, like I said, pinching ourselves every day. Yeah. The, yeah. The key thing was just that, that gap, the, the problem is somebody new to fishing, they didn't have a one-stop shop to go to 
to take them from wherever they are, whether they're total beginner or they're going out at, you know, a handful of times, or even we have now full-time guides joining, but to go out and catch fish. Cause we have tips on, on, on live bait, which is what most people use, but also artificial lures. A lot of people don't think that, that, that they can catch good saltwater fish with lures. And that's not true at all. Like saltwater fish are very aggressive. And as long as you know, the trends on where they are, and then just know a handful of good lures, you can go out there and catch a ton. So uh, we just put together the full recipe. Like Joe mentioned, the magazines are helpful. YouTube's helpful. The TV shows are helpful, but they're, they're all fragmented. They're, they're, like none of them have the entire recipe where you can just go there and, and, and quickly get to, from point A to point B. And, and so that's really the, the problem that we solve was people's time is just going out and, yeah. and not having to try to put it all together. Cause in many cases you hear one recipe, you get a bit of one recipe here, a bit of another one recipe here, and they, they don't work together at all. So, so that's really been the, just the major, major thing is just solving fishermen's time issue. Yep. That's beautiful. I, you, you guys hit on two things that when you said trends, you, you're not talking about marketplace trends. You're talking about the, like the, the trends of how the fish are, you know, the, the cyclical, and seasonal trends of fish living their lives, right? Yeah. And we, we came from, you know, the financial world and you had trends there as well, to your point. And with, with anything, any kind of business and industry, you have different trends. And it's the same with fishing, right? Our, our trends happen to be, you know, weather dependent and tides, you know, and for saltwater fishing in particular, you have tides. And so it's all based on those type of trends. And just like the stocks and, and, and really anything that kind of follows cycles and trends, it can become predictable. It doesn't mean like, you know, just like stocks, no one just picks a winner every time. You can't pick right. a perfect fishing spot. But once you study trends and and realize like that is the magic bullet, it takes a little while. But once you kind of get that, which is why we teach it and we, we harp on it so much, it just makes fishing so much more easier and enjoyable. And, and which it ties in our whole mission, right, is bringing people together and having fun and creating memories. We realized pretty quickly, I mean, kind of like, disney world right they're not a theme park i mean they're like a memory creating machine i mean that's that's really what a lot of people look at is man i created these amazing memories i paid 10 times more than i wanted to at disney but i, I made these amazing memories with my family and that's that's really become our big goal and mission it's what kind of gets us fired up every morning is when we get testimonials which come in almost every day now of someone saying thank you guys because of what i learned in this club I just went out and caught, you know, my first redfish or I got my, my little nine-year-old daughter on her first fish ever. My son's been begging me fishing and I failed him five times and I finally did it. Cause you guys like that, that's awesome. Like that, that's what gets us going. Cause it's not about catching a state record or anything like that. It, it's just about going out and having fun and creating memories. And if we can shorten that learning curve, just like anyone trying to solve any problem, if you can shorten the curve for someone, you're going to have some, you know, some, some great clients and hopefully some raving fans. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can completely relate. I, I say to people, you know, I don't really enjoy fishing. I enjoy catching. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's anybody's been spent a day, you know, going out and, and getting, spending the whole day out working their butt off and not catching anything. It's, it's a lot more fun when you come home with something. Yes. <laughs> so, a thousand times better. <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> and so you guys were kind of your own, your, your perfect avatar, right? You, you, I think I, what you said was we wanted to solve the problem that we had and, and it, it was a problem that a lot of people shared. Yeah. We've walked through it. We learned the hard way ourselves and, and we basically built it to be something that we wish we had when we started. And, and so that was, that was really the kind of the foundation, you know, what, 
you know, based on every decision we have is, is this going to help our members just catch more fish or have more fun and, and, and do it as efficiently as possible? If the answer is no, we don't do it. So that's, that's really been the foundation to just make it as easy as possible and, and as easily consumable as possible. That includes the tech stack too. That's been a big thing. It is online based. So we've had to invest a lot of money in the tech stack and we're, we're still doing that recently. We're doing a big upgrade now, just again, just to make it as seamless and effortless as possible for members. So your tech stack, you're talking about what you use to build the courses, record them, how you serve them up, all that. Our community, that includes their community, right? Cause that's a big part of it is, you know, people are wherever my phone is or they're on their phones, you know, actually sharing their fishing pictures and asking questions. So that's a big, a big, a really big part of it. And then getting the courses and being able to pick out the lures and the tackle they want. It's regardless, I, I read a, a book recently that was, you know, published in the last 12 months and it. It made a, a case at the end that no matter what business you're in, you're in the tech business. I mean, right? We're doing Zoom. This is considered tech. No, no matter what you're doing, even if you're selling cupcakes in one city in Winter Haven, Florida, you, you still hopefully have a website where people can go order or pre-purchase or do pickup. I mean, you're still in the tech industry this day and age. And so we didn't really we didn't really see that in the beginning, and now it's becoming more and more evident. And every time we do, and and every time we invest a little bit more in tech we get more people and they share it because it's, it's, we make it easier for them to use it. So I, I would highly advise anyone listening outside of all the family stuff, you know, to, to invest in tech when it makes sense, obviously don't just waste money on it, but if you can make it easier for your customers to interact with you and to purchase from you and, and to get things done and customer service interaction, it, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, and I'll show an example. This is a uh, tides, right? Tides, tide charts have been something that have been around forever, right? Or at least mm -hmm. not forever, but for a very long time. But we just made it easier, right? We we just obviously show the tide chart, but we give the days, like the upcoming days, what days are most likely going to have the best the best feeding activity based on the tides, based on the weather, based on the trends. Then we have the tide chart and the graph, and then below that we even have by day when's the best bite going to be. So right now is actually a pretty good bite. So. Might, I might be going to hurry up and yeah, end this thing quick. That's like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, it's just all about just making, just making the customer's lives or really clients' lives as easy as inefficient as possible. So that's, that's been our goal for everything. Yeah. So I you know one of the questions I had was, uh, what is, what's your, what sets you apart from the competition? You know, a lot of businesses, I think, you know, may struggle a little bit with, you know, unique selling proposition or what makes them different, you know, especially somebody maybe in the service industry or, you know, I mean, I, I say, oh, air conditioners or whatever. How do you guys, do, do you guys have any competition? I mean, you're kind of different from a service-based business. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we purposely, you created something that, that was kind of, you know, different, right? And not to say, because we, everyone has some competition. There's been some smaller groups that have tried to take on, you know, certain segments of, of fishing. Like, you know, we're saltwater fishing. Salt Strong is the name of the company. And so right now we're basically Texas to Virginia. There's been a couple and a few random states, but for the most part, our competition in terms of, of how to and education has been what we started the, the interview off with. It's been fishing magazines and TV shows and kind of YouTube. So that that's kind of our competition is, is making people see, and, and usually they do pretty quickly because they've tried all those things, those things. They're not where they want to be when it comes to fishing. So what really made us stand out, like you're talking about like a USP, a unique selling proposition, something that's like simple and memorable and also kind of like, oh, wow, how, like the elevator pitch. And it started, it's, it's morphed over the years, but it, it started off because we want, people want to catch fish, right? So it started off saying, we'll help you catch more fish 
in less time or you don't pay. It's free. And then we even went as far as we'll double your money back. So we did that for a while. And that got people's attention because like, wait a minute. It's like, yeah, so if you stick with this a year and you don't feel like you're catching more fish, not only will we give you your 100 bucks, so that's the annual $97 for the year, we'll literally double it. And so now people are like, okay, I have literally nothing. You know, anytime you can take all the risk off of your your client and put it on you to deliver whatever promise or service you're making, it just makes it easier to do business with you. And we've had a few. We, we've had, you know, some over the years, we've had to give money back. I mean, some of them we almost laugh about. I remember this one person, they went the whole year. And, and we obviously, as a tech company, can see what emails they've opened, what courses they've been through. They went through nothing. And at the end, they said, it was like day 330. And they're like, you know, you guys stink. I've become a worse fisherman because of this club. I want my, and we, we gave their money back. But we also looked like they didn't even, they didn't even try. It's like joining a gym that had a guarantee and not going a single time and then saying, mm -hmm. hey, I got fat because of your gym. Kind of laughable. But, but you know, it, it, and we do lose some. And that's, it was scary at first, right? Remember, Luke, when we first did it, we're like, man, we're going to lose our butts. People, but no, if you have a great service or product and you believe in it, put the biggest, boldest, baddest, scariest guarantee out there and, and, and people will start flocking to you because of it. And, and you, you got to be able to back it up, obviously. And, and we did. And so it's out of the 26,000 people, I mean, we get, you know, a couple a year will ask for their money back. And it's various reasons, sometimes just financial. Hey, we, we're literally broke and need our money back. And yeah, we, we obviously do that pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. that, that's really been the overall USP is what makes us difference is the focus on helping you find and catch the fish faster than ever before, or you don't pay. It, it's that simple. And, and now we, yeah, now we talk, you know, we've tied in tackle where they get tackle discounts. And so we've, We've made it a little bit more even attractive where not only can we help you find the fish, but we'll give you, you know, 20 to even 30% off, off your tackle as well. Kind of like, kind of like a Costco membership is probably the best analogy mm -hmm. where, you know, you're, you're paying a hundred bucks or whatever it is to be a Costco member and you get access to their products and, and discounts. But we have a little bit more with, with the whole club and in, in terms of the, the how-to videos. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really been fun. And, and a lot of that, I, I I would urge people because I remember Luke and I got kind of, uh, I mean, we, we had some not uh, knockout punches, but, you know, that, that caused definitely a lot of internal discussions and grief and confusion because we never really had that thing nailed down and we felt like we had to have it nailed down. So I would urge people like start with something, throw it out there and, you know, and get feedback from people like, man, it's not really that attractive or I don't really understand it. But as soon as we just started saying, yeah, we help you. John, we help you catch more fish or you don't pay. Oh, really? Like how you, you can't just end a conversation like that. You're curious. Like, well, how do you, how do you do that? And so all of a sudden now we got your attention. And so once again, it changes over time, but I, I would urge people to definitely have one. You got to have one that, that set you, sets you apart from everyone else, but to, you know, play around with it and, and don't be afraid to change it as, as you evolve. Yeah. No telling how many of those we went through. We, we, oh, yeah. especially in the early years, the business was pivoting basically every month because you're right. We tried something. Okay. It doesn't work. Try something else. Doesn't work. Try another thing. Mm -hmm. And and just got to keep doing it. And until, until the market will let you know when it's good or when it's not, you can't force a bad thing. That's another, yep. uh, another thing that we, we learned the hard way as well. But uh, yeah, how do you mean you can't force a bad thing? Sorry. When you say I can't, you can't force a bad thing. You mean you just got to let the market tell you if it's, if it's right or not. Yeah. Like we tried apparel for a while and I was, was going to ask about that. And so, yeah, that was just a really tough thing for a small group. 
who doesn't have the the big the big margins like these you know when you're buying huge bulks like the like the the big big companies do i mean it's a really tough industry and and we, if we had we kept it going down that route there's no way we'd still be in business it's uh, you can't just force it um, yeah one of one of the best pieces of advice we got is from ryan dice who's the the founder of digital marketer and and mm -hmm. we were at a conference there where where he was he was the guy speaking and just talking and and he said guys what i found over and over again from owning multiple businesses and and consulting and just seeing the problems that we all have as small businesses especially is usually it's an offer problem and and so what luke was basically saying is you, you can't put a crappy offer out there and just expect to like spend more facebook ads on it or put more lipstick on the pig and it's just going to get better it it rarely does that happen. And we, we're all guilty. We did it so many times like, oh man, I, I know this is a good offer. We're just going to spend more money on it. And we're like, oh man, we should have just gone with our gut and, and probably fixed the offer a little bit. You, you, it's, it's that whole lipstick on a, on a pig. You can't just keep putting more and more. At some point you need to look and sorry, this offer is not attracting the people it should. We know it's good. We need to tweak it just a little bit. And, and that, that's been, man, that's been a godsend for us because we, we, in the beginning, we spent so, we wasted so much money doing just the opposite, right? We'd have something that we thought was cool. The market didn't agree. And we just keep trying to spend more money on it and, and jam it down people's throat even more. And it didn't work. And it wasn't until we really sat back and really just listened. You know, you don't have to have 25,000 customers or clients to, to get advice. You could have two, you could have one and just have a one-on-one -on -one to go take them out to lunch and, you know, get some get some honest feedback. Hey, what is, what are the real challenges deep down? What are you struggling with? And, and how can I, how can I fix this for you? And usually if you can find one person, you can find two. And if you can find two, you can find 10 and, and so on and so forth. Wow. Yeah. That there's a real nugget there that, uh, you, you know, you, you can't, but the answer to an offer that's not converting is not a bigger audience. Different offer altogether. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. And, and, and I'll just kind of tell you to, cause I know when I listen to, to podcasts or videos, I'm like, all right, well, give me an example. Here's a great example. Fishing health. It doesn't really matter. There's always something that, that people want. And Luke touched on it earlier. It's, it's usually time, right? Uh, we all want something faster than, than we deserve it in many cases, right? Like we all want to lose 20 pounds tomorrow. We don't want to have to wait the 60 days it, it really takes. And if you're in the weight loss market, what do you think is going to sell more, right? Uh, an accountability coach and, you know, a, a 60 or 90 day program on how to lift weights to lose weight or a pill. And it's sad, but true that the pill will work better. So it's, it's kind of, you know, give them what they, they think they, they want. And then in the back end, you know, or sell them what they want and then give them what they need. And so we used to only lead with the how-to stuff and like the trends, right? And we could say trends to a blue in the face. And most anglers like fishermen is like, man, I just want to buy a new rod and reel and some fishing lures and some line and hooks and et cetera. So we got so tired of just pushing the how-to stuff down people's throats, even though that's what they need. Like that's the only way you become a great angler is if you study and you know the trends. So everyone knows that, but just like working out, they know they need to work out, but they really just kind of want the quick fix. And so as soon as we kind of flipped it, and started, you know, leading with lures, like, hey, here's a lure. And then as soon as they bought it, we, we'd almost make fun of ourselves and say, like on the thank you video, guys, here's the deal. You just made a great investment. These are the best lures. 
but they're not going to help you catch more fish. The only way you're really going to catch more fish is being in the right spot at the right time. And that's why we're helping you out with our insider club. And so we, we sold them what they want at a great price. You know, in, in many cases we gave it to them for free. And then on the back end, we gave them what they really need. And, and that's how we really blew up this business. Cause people, you know, they're used to getting a lure and they get mad, which is why they go buy new lures. And, and they always kind of want to blame it on the lure. And it's usually, it's usually a lack of, of knowledge and, and intel on how to find the fish. And so it, as soon as we started giving them what they thought they, they needed, and then on the back end really served them up exactly what they need, what they truly need, that we exploded. And we really created a cool community of, of people that, that love and like and, and trust us and want to keep renewing their membership every year. So it's, that would be a good example of sometimes taking a step back and saying, all right, if this isn't working, maybe we should lead with a, a slightly different offer. Very cool. Thank you. So I want to, I want to make sure we get into the family part of it a little bit. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of different family structures, you know, many business I came from, you know, I was third generation. Uh, so I wasn't a founder and, and that's, you know, that's one structure and it has its own challenges. Other, you know, there's a lot of husband and wife teams out, out here in, in Tampa that run in businesses, uh, but when Buddy Brews, you know, one of the big coffee companies here, they, husband and wife, two brothers is another. And, and that's, I don't see it as, as as common. It may be more common than I realized, but did you guys always dream about going into business together? And, and how has your brother relationship worked to strengthen the business? Yeah, I would say we have. That was kind of a remember it was Gasparilla Island. That was kind of my first memory of it, where we always talked about how cool it would be to do something together in the fishing world. Yeah, because um, we had a trip. It was a trip every year, and it started somehow. Our dad let us borrow his boat for like for a week, and and I brought one of my buddies, and Joe brought one of his. And we ran out of this house on the island. You could only get two by boat, and we had just a blast. And came back and started telling friends about it. And the next year, there was eight people. In the year for that, there was 12, and then it got up to 20, got up to 56 was the, was the biggest. But uh, but it was just so much fun, and and it was just fun. Like a lot of people, some people met their spouses on those trips. It just bonded a lot of people together, and it was a blast. And, and, uh, and yeah, I remember just thinking, like, it would be really cool to somehow, you know, somehow do something together professionally, all right, that we were in college at this point. And, and it took, it was years after where it, where it actually transpired, but that was, yeah, I agree. That was when the seed was planted. Yep. And now, you know, we've been in business, this will be what, seven, six full years. So going to hit your seven, somewhere around there, six, yes. seven years. Almost seven assault strong within, but then yeah. two years before that in the retirement service industry. Yeah. Joe was doing stuff by himself and, and doing great. I was in the corporate world for a while, seeing how much fun Joe was having. And, and, and one day he just called me and it's like, it was a really cool experience where I get a call from brother and. And he was like, hey, you know, I actually need some help. He was growing his business faster than he can keep up with. And uh, I was like in a pretty cush corporate world, but I didn't, I was at a point where I got as high as I could. I was in middle management at a young age and I couldn't get up to the next level for like 20 years, right? I've been doing the same thing for a long time. And I just didn't really, I wasn't really interested in that. And I was getting less and less interested in, I should say. And then an exciting opportunity came to actually work with my brother. It was in retirement services, like he cared less about. But, uh, but it was just a cool opportunity. So I jumped on it. So like, sure, let's do it. And, and that was, that was a learning experience. It was great. And then we sold, yeah, sold that company and, and started to solve strong with those proceeds. So yeah. was that when you guys figured out, you know, each of your, your strengths and, and how to divide, kind of divide the, the labor between you? Is that kind of, I, 
I, I wish we would have known to focus on that quicker because that, that's where the biggest fights happen, right? And that, that's, it's the pros and cons of working with a brother, family member is you can get stuff out quicker. Like, you know, you don't have to necessarily, like I was in the corporate world, you know, for, for 10 years myself. And I remember I'd, you'd be mad at someone and you, you couldn't say anything in the office and you didn't want to mess with politics in the office. So you take it home and you sleep on it and then you get mad and you tell your, your spouse at home and, and sometimes it can build up to to be really bad and 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 keep you unfulfilled and 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 it's not healthy. The good news about Luke and I, and, and I'm hoping a lot of family members like this, where we don't we have any secrets, we don't hold anything back, and I ain't sleeping on nothing. Like I get on the <laughs> phone, like dude, I'm pissed off, and and vice versa. And so we get stuff out quicker. But but also you you might say stuff to a family member or a loved one that you might regret, or you say it more aggressively than you would. To, to be subtle to a nice, you know, coworker. So certainly pros and cons, but, but back to your question, I, I think the best advice I could give to anyone, regardless of the relationship as a family, is to figure out what your strength is, like what you're best at and stay in that lane and, and get out of the other person's lane, right? Because that was where we butted heads a lot, where he was trying, Luke would try to do something that, that I was great at, which is like sales and copywriting, and it doesn't mean you don't ask for advice. You, you do. You're still a team, uh, but but you don't try to jump in their lane. And you know, obviously, don't ever say "stay in your lane, you jerk." Uh, that doesn't <laughs> help either. But 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 seriously though, if you can stay in your lane and just be the absolute best, and then as soon as humanly possible, hire someone who who fits another weakness that you might have. Right? I, I think I think in school they do one of the biggest disservices, and I don't. Know, I hate. I, let me take that back you know, it's using the word well-rounded, right? And and I, that was something that our parents taught us is you want to be well-rounded and do a lot of this stuff. And, and I think that's a good way to maybe learn what you're best at. But to do that your entire life, I, I think is is a disservice to it to a business. It's fine, like become a specialist, become an expert, become the best at whatever little thing that that you have. Definitely give feedback and consult on the other stuff, but become the absolute best. And so I was, you can probably already tell me just by the way I talk and I'm the cheerleader, I'm the visionary, I'm the guy that's come up with crazy ideas. Half of them are horrible or more than half, but some of them are really good. And then we get people to implement it. Luke is not an implementer. Luke is a really good educator. I mean, one of the best ever when he gets in front of a camera, I mean, he's got the trust, he's got the skill and he gets in front of a camera with fishing and people are just like mesmerized. And, and, the, but the problem we did for a couple of years, remember Luke is, because we're missing a third piece, right? Which is operation. We, we literally, both of us absolutely are horrible operations. And that was when the company would go up and then it would tank because Luke would have to get off video. I'd have to get off doing my stuff and we'd go into operations and doing taxes and all this stupid stuff that we both absolutely dreaded. And as soon as we, we hired that out and got one person that loved that, like we started taking off. And, and I don't even know, like we have a CRM, they won't even give me a username and password. I don't know how to log in, nor do I care. And I haven't logged in probably two or three years, but that's a good thing, right? If you have someone that that's not their strength, like get them out of there, stay in their lane and let everyone else do what they're best at. So that I, I wish someone had told us that earlier, maybe we heard it, but we didn't take it seriously, but it made all the change in the world. And that first hire, this is something that, that Justin uh, Tupper, he was the founder of a company called Revolution Golf sold for about a hundred or so million dollars. So he did pretty, pretty well. But he said that first person you hire needs to one fit, you know, fit the role that you you're, you're not good at, right? If it's operations for some people, it's the opposite. It's sales. 
but they need to, to be the absolute best and they better return a 10x ROI. So he said, if you pay that, you know, the first person you hire, you might only pay them $40,000 as a small business. They literally better be helping your company make 400 grand. Like it needs to be that big. And if not, get rid of them. Like your, your very first employee and your second should be the two most profitable there is because it's now letting you focus. And if they're not, like I said, get rid of them or figure out, you know, that maybe you don't have that, that right, that right seat defined yet. But I thought that was good. And he's like, I, I've seen that happen over and over again, where someone's like, just good enough. And we did that. Remember, like our first couple employees were not 10x type of employees. And the second we finally got a couple and like, boom, things started happening real fast. So that was really good advice. Yeah. Hiring smart is a huge, huge yeah. thing. And, and yeah, we learned the hard way a little bit, but we also learned the, the good way too. Like when it's, it's very noticeable when you have the right team and it's, and it's, it makes a huge impact. Yeah. Well, we could do a whole other interview just about that. I know because yeah. today, especially yeah, everywhere I look, it's people are saying, you know, high turnover and can't get good people, can't keep good people. And hiring is, is the biggest issue. We've got plenty of business. We can't get the people to, to do the work. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, I, man, we come back to that. So you're talking about growing. Uh, one of the things in, in family business, one of the things I saw was actually when I came into the family business, there was a guy already there that was wanting to grow. And, and he saw me as a threat, you know, as a family member, he, he said he felt like he could never compete. So, you know, here you guys are family business. How do you incentivize non-family members to feel like they've got a career or, you know, and, and a place? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, we're still fairly young. I, I mean, I've got kids, but they're not at the point where, you know, they're, they're able to be hired, but, it, but it's interesting, you know, even just around, I'm here in the office and, and I've heard, you know, them say that before, oh man, we're going to get kicked out as soon as your kids come in that it's, 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 I think it's a rational uh, thought that just in, people have in general, right. Uh, Cause they've seen it happen the wrong way so many times. So right now we haven't had to, to face that. I think the, I mean, some of the the best advice I've seen is I had some friends in Atlanta. They own one of the 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 big Anheuser Busch distributorship there, and and it's those are very clearly defined. Like there's even rules that like your kids are going to take this over. It stays in the family, so it's very very obvious. Like the old school, you know, Augustus Bush rules. I mean, it, it stays in the family. Those old Anheuser Busch distributorships, they don't really get sold that often, but. What I saw this guy uh, do, his name is Mr. Economos, is he made all all four of his boys, like, if you guys want to work here, you're going to start at the very bottom for, like, not just, like, a couple weeks, like, for a year. And you're literally going to be the guy who is stocking Bud Lights in the Publixes or the Krogers. I mean, you're literally starting at the bottom as a stock boy, and you got to work all the all the way up. And so I... I, and that's an extreme example because everyone knew they were literally going to take their job. Like they were going to run the the company just based on on how it's always been been done. But I, I thought that was at least great where you're you're making, you know, your family members, if, if they are going to join you, start at the bottom. And, and a couple of them don't work there anymore. I will say that a couple of them just weren't a fit and really didn't love it and uh, and realized only one brother could actually be at the at the top as CEO. And and wanted to go start their own company. So I, I always thought that was just a cool way. And I, I know they get a lot of respect as a company there in, a, in Atlanta who's kind of at least done it right. But but that, man, that part is tough. And those are the dynamics that, I mean, it's a big reason, you know, you're, you, you guys are focused on that because it is, it is, it is tricky. And fortunately, you know, we haven't had to be there. But if that happens with either my kids or Luke's future kids, sure is that going to make them work for it? 
you know, where we could look everyone in the company in the eye and say, man, they deserve, you know, this promotion or this role or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, at least in my eyes, it's one of the best ways to handle it. Yeah. Some, what some companies do is actually require the, the young generation that, that wants to come in to go work at a competitor or in the industry somewhere for, for a few years and get some Good. experience before they come in the company. Uh, so they aren't, yeah, I, I started out debiking chickens. So I, that's another story too. <laughs> But yeah, I, I know about working from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's the smart way to do it. That way, you, I mean, the, whoever it is, you know, they'll have the respect from everybody else. Where it's not just uh, an entitlement; it's it's actually uh, uh, working up the up the ranks. So uh, that's definitely the proper way. Awesome. Okay, I want to watch our time here. We're at three thirty-five. So, do you guys network with any other family business owners? Like, do you have a, a network of family businesses per se? Uh, I don't, but we're part of a group called C12, which is a Christian organization for like Christian CEOs. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few of, of family, actually a bunch of them, I'd say half of them just happen to be a family-based business where it was a second, third generation has taken over or it's two brothers or husband, wife. So ironically, there's a lot of them in there. So we're we're, we haven't, we didn't proactively seek that out, but it is ironic that we've all kind of attracted together and we meet once a month and, and literally take the whole day in, in a, in a kind of a boardroom type of meeting, shut down the, the phones. And there's always kind of an agenda or like something that we're going to learn. And then the rest of the time we just kind of air out issues. And a lot of times it's about family, you know, and, and how do I handle this? And, and, and so it's been really, really cool to, to see that. And there's been some, there's been you know, one in our group, the two brothers split up and they both, they were hitting, they were bumping heads so much and they both had their own kind of specialty, if you will, and thought they were right. And they literally decided to dissolve the company and start both started their own. And they both did well. Uh, they, they both have, you know, super successful 10 plus million dollar a year companies. Uh, and, and they're, you know, obviously both still friends. And so it, it, it's been really cool to kind of, uh, kind of see that. That's really cool. I, it, funny that you mentioned two brothers like that. The two books that I've found that are written about family issues in business and, and how to deal with them are written by two brothers that are both second generation of the Olin Mills Photography Company. Oh, yeah. And and they they each went their own way. They both now are running coaching businesses, but their own separate ones. <laughs> so, Interesting. Uh, Olin Mills. Yeah, Owen Mills. So I, I was going to ask, where do you go for guidance on, uh, you know, how the family relationships impact the business? It sounds like that's that group, that networking group is is what's filling that for you, right? That's been a good one. And then just like any relationship, it's just open communication, right? And, and, that, and that's what we've been blessed because, I mean, Luke and I are best friends. We talk pretty much every day. And obviously we're, you know, fishing once a week and, you know, a lot of stuff, you, know, you can kind of talk about in the boat. It's, it's, I don't know, it's something magical about being out in the water or out in the woods or somewhere and you just have open conversations. So, I mean, so much about it's just communicating. I mean, if, if you look at most divorces in America, it, it, everyone could say it was this or that, but it usually started with just bad communicating and, and not spending time together talking about issues that were on your mind. And so I, that would, I would urge people first to just, just talk about it and be honest. And, and there's been a couple things in C12 where, we're all like, have you mentioned this to the person? And they're like, not yet. And they're like, well, that's probably the best place to start. But it, it could be tough. It could be tough to have, you know, tough conversations like that. So, 
Yeah, just being, as Joe mentioned before, and that's a good thing about, in many cases, siblings is that it's not that the festering is really where the damage happens. And that seemed to happen, at least at least in our experience, in my experience, it seemed to happen more, it happened more in the political or in the, in the corporate environment where you're kind of afraid to, step, to kind of step on toes or to, to be honest and, and forthright. Whereas your brother, you're like, all right, you know, I can just, He'll be mad if I say this for a little bit, but we'll get over it and get past it. And and I, and I think that's been a, a big a big help. And also, we have different, very different personalities. Where a lot of the stuff that he likes doing, he's best at. It's the opposite for me, and and vice versa. So we've been we've been blessed in that as well. Where our our kind of likes and 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 core abilities are are in kind of different different sides of the spectrum, and complementary. Correct. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much. This has been huge. Absolutely. I, we, uh, we appreciate it. And I'm I'm sure in a couple of years, we'll have more to share. And and who knows what will, what will happen. I, I guess we won't be bringing on any other family members, but you never know. <laughs> um, you know, moms try to get a job and we said no way. Jose, <laughs> way, over, way overqualified, of course. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, you guys inspired me. I contacted you back in 2014 and you got, you, know, you were kind enough to give me a copy of your basic building a business online course that you were doing. And I just really got interested in marketing. Cool. So, well, keep, keep at it. All righty. Well, yeah. uh, whenever we get together, I look forward to it.